Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. That is where you can find all of the content we create over at Mile High Sports. Just type in Mile High Sports into your browser and click that Nuggets icon in the top right corner. I'm going to get into a ton of things about Nikola Jokic in particular in this podcast. A lot of news has obviously come out about him over the past couple days, whether it was him making the All-NBA first team or him going to play for Serbia in the um, in the FIBA World Championships. All kinds of things are kind of going on about Nikola Jokic, and I kind of just wanted to dive into all of the different you know semantics and nuances of his season and what was so spectacular about it. Um, I'll talk about his first team All NBA um, selection. I'll talk about why it was such a magical year for him. Um, we'll talk about the size difference in terms of votes that he got over Joel Embiid. We'll talk about why he won over Joel Embiid, in my opinion, and what kind of factors went into that. Before I end up ranting about Nikola Jokic being the greatest passing center that has ever graced an NBA basketball court before. Um, I'm going to end up listing my top 10 players as I see them right now, as well as listing my, in my opinion, Jokic's top five games that he played this season, including the playoffs before getting into some Twitter questions. So it's going to be a fun show. I mean, whenever you get to talk about how incredible Nikola Jokic is, it's hard not to have a good time doing so. He's just such a I don't even know what it is. It's mesmerizing to watch Nikola Jokic to play basketball. He's just a savant. He just goes out there like an artist and just, you know, absolute magnificence just kind of comes out of his hands. It's It was just so much fun to watch and go back and watch some film and get these lists together to be able to dive into it. So it's going to be a very fun podcast. I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of them. Um, but before we go any further, I got to give a shout out to first the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who made the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. You can find them them at Regulators Regime on Instagram, and then also reach out to Rod Simba on Instagram. That's R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A. He's the one who reached out to me. He's the one who put these beats together. He's the one who's worked with me. For any audio production needs that you may have, any of any kind, make sure you reach out to the Regulators Production Group. Again, that is Regulators Regime on Instagram if you're trying to get a little closer to figure out the kind of stuff that they do, all of their hip-hop influence and how great it is, the kind of um, new age but old school feel beats that they are able to put together. Also, the presenting sponsor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, as you have heard me say a thousand times, is Terrapin Care Station. So for any cannabis goods that you're looking for in the Denver metro area, make sure you go check out Terrapin Care Station. They got multiple locations. It's always easy, good prices, discreet, in and out, you know, done and done. So before I go any further, here is one quick word from Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the product that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com.
bit. So first of all, like I said, Nikola Jokic has been selected as the center for the first team All-NBA team for really what makes him the best center in the NBA this past season, which for me, it's almost hard to argue that. I mean, he was that good. That's why he got so many more votes than second place Joel Embiid. Um, Embiid ended up with just 40 first place votes to Nikola Jokic's 59. And then the way that they end up actually kind of accumulating points to kind of come out with whoever is the winner is first team votes are five points, second team votes are three points, and third team votes are one point. Nikola Jokic outscored Joel Embiid 411 to to 375. He was the next closest to Nikola, but that's still a very large gap. 19 first place votes is a very large gap, and there was a lot of reasons for that. So before we start talking about Joel Embiid himself, let's just outline what Nikola Jokic was able to accomplish this season, which was 20.1 points per game, 10.8 rebounds per game, 7.3 assists, 1.4 steals, 0.7 blocks, and 3.1 turnovers per game over 80 total games played. He shot 51.1% from the field, uh, 30.7% from three, and 82.1% from the free throw line. So overall, an absolutely incredible just statistical season from Nikola Jokic. I mean, there are so few players. I mean, I think he's only the second center to ever even touch those numbers in terms of averages. He was absolutely absolutely incredible throughout this season and I know it seems wild that Joel Embiid who has so much charisma and so much of a um a spotlight on him at all times was got such fewer votes than Nikola Jokic so this is kind of what I think happened is that I think the national media is kind of starting to catch on. I was surprised that they did, but this is a an award that is voted on by the media. So the fact that there were this many people who were 19 people who voted Nikola Jokic as first-team All-NBA over Joel Embiid, that's actually really surprising to me. I did not think this was going to be such a big win for Nikola Jokic because, I mean, these two are very, very close, and I think when you start putting guys into... Um, tiers for how good they are and you know what their rank is amongst the NBA greats right now. Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid are you know neck and neck with each other for a lot of different ways. So the, that the fact that there was that much of a disparity was very surprising to me, and actually it was very um, I guess it was just confirming that yes. Everybody who has been on this Nikola Jokic bandwagon has been talking about him as such a powerful player. It's finally kind of just being confirmed as, yes, this is the case. It just took a long time for everybody else to kind of get on board. With that being said, I do think Nikola Jokic deserved to win this award by that much. There was a lot that goes into this, and I think the biggest detriment for Joel Embiid as to what held him back was just the fact that he only played, I think, 63 games, and he played you know quite a few less minutes than Nikola Jokic did throughout the season. So it was, we just got a lot less of Embiid. When you have Nikola Jokic playing 80 games and 32 minutes a night, it's going to be hard to put Joel Embiid over him when he only played 63 games. So that's the one big thing that I think was a detriment to Embiid. But there's other things that Nikola Jokic just did so well. I mean, obviously Nikola Jokic is a better playmaker. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. Um, Joel Embiid 
so yes, Nikola Jokic is that much better of a playmaker. He's arguably the greatest passing big man that the, that the game has ever seen, and I'll get into that a little bit more later. But that's not the only reason why Nikola Jokic got the edge in the playmaking department. Joel Embiid made a lot of bad decisions when he was getting doubled or trying to pass out of the post. And when he wasn't making those bad decisions, he kind of just gets tunnel vision and tries to go through guys, which leads to charge calls and things like that. So... Embiid's, it's not that his IQ is low, it's not anywhere near where Nikola's is, but it's the fact that there were so many opportunities to make plays that were better than the ones that they were getting, and Embiid was not able to do so. On Nikola Jokic's side, of course, his IQ is just so high, arguably a top three IQ player in the league right now, and on top of that, every single player that was consistently in the Nuggets rotation had a positive net rating when sharing the floor with Nikola. Jamal Murray, plus 6.7 net rating. Gary Harris, plus 5.5. Will Barton, plus 4.3. Paul Millsap, plus 8.8. Torrey Craig, plus 6.5. Wancho, plus 3.2. Malik Beasley, plus 8.3. Monte Morris, plus 6.5. Plus 6. Even Mason Plumley, a plus 7.9. The only player who played a decent amount of games um, that wasn't a positive was Trey Lyles, who was a negative 10.5, but he wasn't even in the rotation for the second half of the year. So Nikola Jokic's impact, on, not on just the fact that he can obviously accumulate assists and put guys into good opportunities, that's clearly there, but the fact that every single person on the floor is better with him, that is notable, that means something. Um, Embiid was very similar, he did make a lot of people better around him, but not in the same manner that Nikola did. Nikola gets the most out of everybody around him. Joel Embiid uses his gravity just to create open looks. Those are very different things, in my opinion. And when you have a guy as dominant as Joel Embiid is, which is absolutely fair to say, he's one of the most dominant bigs I've ever seen play basketball, but he doesn't impact the game like Nikola does. And the one big thing that Joel Embiid has going for him over Nikola is obviously the defensive impact that he brings to the floor. Joel Embiid might be the he is a top three most impactful defender in the league, in my opinion, and that's that's a fair thing to say, I think. I mean, Kawhi Leonard this year we have seen is just insane. You know, Giannis is undoubtedly a defensive year um, of the or defensive player of the year kind of guy. Paul George was absolutely locked down to start the year before getting hurt. But Joel Embiid being a center, being able to anchor a defense, the rim protection, the mobility, all of those things make him such a tantalizing guy on the defensive end of the floor, which usually gives him a bit of an extra edge. But this is the thing that is so interesting to me. Joel Embiid had better defenders on his team. He is a better defender than Nikola Jokic, and yet the 76ers were 14th in defensive rating in the regular season, while the Nuggets were 10th in defensive rating. That means something to me. The fact that the Nuggets, with with Nikola Jokic as their, you know, their center down low, the, the preventative rim protection, even though that doesn't really exist with how Nikola Jokic plays, the fact that they were able to develop a more effective defense in the regular season this year than the 76ers were able to do with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Jimmy Butler on the floor, that means something to me. And not only that, the Nuggets had so many injuries all the way throughout the year. The only two starters on their team that were consistently in the rotation were Jamal Murray and Nikola. So Nikola Jokic 
had multiple new players rotating in and out of the lineup with him, which also happened with Philly because they had like basically three different teams this year, but they didn't have the same quality of defenders, and Nikola Jokic is not the same individual defender that Joel Embiid is, but yet the Nuggets were four spots better in defensive rating than Philly. That to me says that Nikola Jokic is a better team defender this season. That's not to say that Joel Embiid is a worse defender, that it's just, you know, inherently not true. Nikola Jokic is not a better individual defender than Joel Embiid, but the team factor here means something, and I think that I think the fact that Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets were able to put together a better defensive system or a better defensive um, just efficiency than the 76ers meant something to voters who were able to go back and look at that. So that's a really, really big deal to me. And then going back to those injuries, Nikola Jokic had to carry his Nuggets team despite the fact that I believe they finished the season third in total missed games, and for the majority of the season, they were number one. And still, Nikola Jokic carried the Nuggets to the 54 wins, the second seed in a much more difficult Western Conference, while playing in arguably the toughest division in basketball in the Northwest Division, and he did so while by putting the Nuggets on his back. So yes, there are a lot of things that Joel Embiid did incredibly well this year. Yes, he was a better scorer. Yes, he was a better rebounder in, the, in just raw statistics, but Jokic played more games. Jokic was more impactful in terms of how he was able to make everybody around him better. Jokic did it with more injuries on his team, and Jokic actually helped lead the Nuggets to a better defensive rating than Joel Embiid could carry the Philadelphia 76ers to. All of those things, there's so many factors there, but those are the ones to me that spell out Nikola Jokic deserves first-team All-NBA as a center. That is just the end of the argument for me. That is how good Nikola Jokic was this year. He was absolutely transcendent in the way that he plays, and it's not Joel Embiid's fault. Embiid was very, very good this year, but Nikola Jokic was just better, and I think we're starting to get to a point now to where, yes, Nikola Jokic was the best center in the NBA this year. That does, I think we're starting to get to the point to where Nikola Jokic is going to enter the NBA next season tied with Joel Embiid for the most dominant center in the game. That's where I think we're at, and it's been absolutely incredible to watch Nikola, Jokic, Nikola Jokic's progression in so many ways. Um, although, so with all that being said, I kind of want to move off of just the all-NBA center thing, which is awesome, and it's so great to see it. It's the first time since David Thompson did it back in the mid-70s that the Nuggets have a first-team all-NBA player on their roster. Carmelo Anthony never did it, Chauncey Billups never did it, Alex English never did it, but Nikola Jokic did, and that's really, really, really special. But what makes Nikola so special, sorry if you hear that beeping, that's my coffee maker, but... um. The, what makes Jokic so special is that he is unequivocally, in my opinion, one of the most incredible passers that the game has ever seen. When you start taking that context and you provide it onto position, I think that Nikola Jokic, I think we're in a position to where we can say that Nikola Jokic is the grading, greatest passing center that has ever touched a basketball court. That is where I am at. So this is why. I got a couple stats here I want to throw people's way. So... What I did is most of these stats are going to be per 100 possessions. Before I go any further, I want this to be known. The reason that I did per 100 possessions is because every different era of basketball had more or less pace than the other ones did. Not every team takes the same amount of shots every single game. That's just kind of part of the differentiation that makes basketball unique. So because of that, 
when you put stats on a per 100 possessions level, it evens out the pace, no matter if it's a guy who played in the 60s, a guy who played in the 80s, or like Nikola Jokic right now playing on this side of the 2000s. So with that being said, Nikola Jokic this regular season had the most assists per 100 possessions by a center ever. So when you actually open it up to include forwards and centers, this is the list. It's Nikola Jokic who had 11.4 assists per 100 possessions this year. Vade Divac who had who had 9.6 assists. That's oh, that's almost two assists per 100 possessions less. So Vlade did it in 0-3-0 floor, and then Nikola Jokic comes up in third from last year when he had 9.3 assists per 100 possessions. So Nikola Jokic in his first four seasons already owns two of the top three spots for assists per 100 possessions by centers in NBA history. That's incredible. Let's just keep that going. Assist percentage is how many assists or how many of the buckets that your team scores that you assisted on in the time you were on the floor. So they do it by percentage, which again puts this on a per 100 basis perspective, which means that every era is evened out in terms of space. So what I did is front court players, so power forwards and uh, and centers, ranked by a full season um, assist percentage in NBA history. You got to play at least 15 minutes a game and 15 games total in a season. So, this is the list for assist percentage. Nikola Jokic is number one at 37%. Nikola Jokic is number two last year at 29.6%. Then you have Draymond Green in third and fourth at 29% in the 15-16 season and the 17-18 season. Larry Bird for the tw- at 28.9% in 89-90. And then Nikola Jokic again from his second season in the NBA in 2016-17 when he had a 28.8% assist percentage. That means in Nikola Jokic's first four seasons in the NBA, he already owns three of the top six assist percentage seasons by a frontcourt player ever. Like, again, these numbers for a player who is 24 years old and has only played four years of basketball are dumbfounding. Think about that. That's Larry Bird you're talking about, Joe Kim, Noah, all these, you know, Vlade, all of these other high assist kind of bigs. They can't even sniff what Nikola Jokic has been able to accomplish. And not only that. Nikola Jokic this year with a 37 assist percentage, that's over 7% better than the next best mark, which is his own from last year. He is a full 8% better than the next best frontcourt player who is able to have an assist percentage on this list. Draymond is the only other player other than Nikola Jokic to have a better than 29% assist percentage. Nikola Jokic is the only player in that's a frontcourt court player in NBA history to have an assist percentage over 29% and he's already done it twice in four years with his second year in the NBA being at 28.8. That is the amount of just historical context that you can provide when it comes to Nikola Jokic as a playmaker as a big. You just don't see it. Let's just keep going. Why not? So let's just take total assists. Nikola Jokic had 580 total assists this year, and he did that in 2,500 minutes, basically. That makes him third most assists ever by a center, with the only two numbers ahead of him are both being Wilt Chamberlain when he played 46 minutes a game and his team shot the ball about 
12 times more per game. So there were, you know, when you're talking about, let's just say 10 to round it off, when there's 10 more shots per game, that means you're talking about over 800 more shots taken around Wilt than there was around Nikola Jokic. And in addition to that, Nikola Jokic played about 14 minutes less and he still is number three just right behind Wilt. That's what's so incredible about Nikola. He does it effortlessly. This is just an innately part of his game. The fact that he is able to produce and make plays for others at such a high level. And what separates him from other bigs, like, like Draymond for the wrong comparison, but like other bigs like Vlade and like Wilt, is that Nikola Jokic isn't just hitting open men with passes. He is passing guys into open spots. He is actively creating new opportunities to score the basketball just by being so far ahead of the curve in terms of mentally approaching the game that he is actually creating these opportunities for people, not just allowing them to exploit them. He is a transcendent playmaker at the center position in a way that we have never seen before. And because of that, in my eyes, which are very young eyes for the NBA. I'm only 26, but he is statistically the greatest passing center of all time already in just his fourth season. That's just, it, it's, it's mind-blowing to me to think about it in that context. But let's just keep going as I rant about how incredible Nikola Jokic is because yes, the assists are ridiculous, but when you take his per 100 stats in terms of points, rebounds, and assists from this past year, again, doing per 100 stats to put everybody on an even playing field, nobody, of any position at any point in NBA history has ever hit his per 100 averages of 31.5 points, 17 rebounds, and 11.4 assists. You have to lower the rebounding requirement to 15, and then you get Russell Westbrook's 2016-17 season when he had when his per 100 possessions numbers were 44.8 points, 15.1 rebounds, and 14.7 assists. Again. We have never seen a player like Nikola Jokic before. And that's what has made this so much fun to watch, is that this is unquantifiably and unequivocally unique and rare and one of a kind. And we need to view it as such to fully take in the gravity and the magnitude of what Nikola Jokic is doing. So that's my rant for now. I need to not do this the entire time because I got a little bit more of this podcast to still get through, but man, what an absolutely magical season Nikola Jokic put together. And not only that, I'll get into some individual games that he put together because this wasn't just a you know season-long historic season. He had individual games that were historic. He had individual playoff performances that were historic. He did so many different things in so many different ways at so many different times that it's hard to quantify where Nikola Jokic is vulnerable on an, on an NBA court. At one point, we thought it was defense. That seems to be out of the window now. At one point, we were asking, is he can, can he be a primary scorer? And then he had a 43-point game in the playoffs. Like, all of these questions about him just continually be silenced and turned down because Nikola Jokic just continually keeps showing that there are so few flaws in his game that can be exploited. So... With all of that being said, there's going to be a couple more things I want to get into, like ranking Nikola Jokic in terms of where he fits in all of the NBA players in the league. Um, I want to talk about his top five games of the year, and then I'm going to dive into four questions that came in from listeners through Twitter and Instagram as well to be able to answer some of those. Before I go any further, though, I want to give one more shout to Terrapin Care Station. They are the presenting sponsor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. There wouldn't be a podcast without them. They are as 
cool, calm, and discreet of a dispensary as it gets. There's multiple locations. There's parking at all of them. Their products are great. They have great deals. Everything's affordable. The people that work there are very delightful to deal with. And overall, there's just very few places you can go in Colorado that gives you a better all-around experience when it comes to buying cannabis goods and learning about cannabis goods than Terrapin Care Station. Go check them out at terrapincarestation.com online. Look them up on Weed Maps or go down into one of their locations and just ask some questions. They'll be able to answer everything you're looking for and then some. They are absolutely phenomenal and they are a big time reason why this Denver Nuggets daily podcast still exists. How ridiculous Nikola Jokic is when he fully buys into a season and is given the keys and everything is schemed for the Nuggets with him in mind. We've been able to see how incredible he is. So with that being said, now let's kind of reverse engineer this and talk about where does Nikola Jokic rank amongst the NBA's greats right now that are active in the league. So I decided just to go in and start trying to create my own list. So in my opinion... There are six players that are assuredly higher on any, on you know the average consensus list for players in the NBA that are higher than Nikola Jokic. These are not in any order. This is just the six players that I think are unquestionably more valuable than Nikola Jokic. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and LeBron James. I know I can already hear people yelling about the LeBron James hate in the back of my head, but that dude has averaged 28, 8, and 8 for like 13 years. Let's take a break and just let LeBron still hold that mantle because there's, there's a lot more Nikola Jokic needs to do before I feel comfortable putting him above LeBron in anything. So with that being said, there are six unquestioned players that are better than Nikola Jokic, like Steph Curry, KD, Kawhi, Harden, Giannis, and LeBron, I think are all unquestionably higher than Jokic. So this is where it gets interesting. Where does Jokic come after that? So the players that I have in a similar tier as Nikola Jokic is Anthony Davis, Paul George, Damian Lillard, and then, like I said earlier, Joel Embiid. So this is where I start to kind of have my thought process. Let me start trying to justify Nikola Jokic over any of these people. So number one would be, I think the easiest one to put him over, in my opinion, is Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, as a singular player, is probably more talented and has more skills than Nikola Jokic does in terms of just physical gifts, the length, the athleticism, the explosion, all of those things. Sure, like you can make an argument that... Anthony Davis compared to Nikola Jokic one-on-one, there may be able to be the opportunity to put him over Jokic, but my argument would be is, what has Anthony Davis been able to win? What has he been able to use all of these talents, all of these skills, all of this domination to get him to a particular spot? I mean, this isn't like he's had terrible, terrible, terrible teams around him. Drew Holiday is an extremely good player. They have had talent to some degrees around Anthony Davis, and it just has never panned out. That's not to say they have perfectly built a lineup around him. If Anthony Davis finally gets shooters around him and a pick-and-roll point guard who can get him the ball where he wants it, I do think Anthony Davis could jump Nikola Jokic in this conversation, but taking what we know from the past you know, year or two, it's hard for me to put Anthony Davis ahead of Jokic just because 
What has what does Anthony Davis's skill level and talent and domination have to show for it? For me, nothing. Like, there just isn't anything to show for it yet, which is why Anthony Davis is obviously asking out of New Orleans. Uh, moving along from there, Paul George. This is a tough one because Paul George does everything well. He's a good creator. He's a lethal shooter. He is a lockdown defender. He's a good rebounder. He can play on or off ball. He knows how to defend on or off ball. He does everything so well well, but there is not one skill, in my opinion, that is necessarily transcendent or elite in a way that cannot be stopped. So Nikola Jokic's playmaking and his touch around the rim, that combination, it means that there's not one way to guard him. You have to either hope everybody misses shots and double him, or hope that he misses shots as he kills whoever is in front of him one-on-one, which a lot of teams have seen him do. This is tough, though, because there's a real argument for Paul George over Nikola Jokic. When you go back to what Paul George did this season before his shoulder injury, he was on pace to join Steph Curry as the only other player to hit 300 three-pointers in a season. He was a defensive year, a defensive player of the year candidate, and he was the best player on that Thunder team without a doubt. He was incredible. He was dominant. It's easy to forget how dominant Paul George was before he sustained that injury, but alas, we you know we still just haven't seen Paul George be able to put it all together in that sense. Even going back to his time with the Pacers, you know he struggled so much in clutch time, or he couldn't get past so and so, or whatever it was. There were so many things that Paul George was not able to overcome, and then he finally was overcoming all of those moments this season in one just beautiful, beautiful season that we were able to watch, but. From that point forward, we just didn't get that same Paul George anymore. So it's hard for me to justify Paul George over Jokic, but I can also hear arguments for Jokic over Paul George and completely understand it. Um, The other player, Damian Lillard. Again, a player who is absolutely the fulcrum of their team, but my question when it comes to Damian Lillard is... Who's better on defense right now, Damian Lillard or Nikola Jokic? There is a very even level to that, and then you get into who's more impactful offensively. For me, I think Nikola Jokic is. Damian Lillard is one of the absolute unquestioned top 10 players in this league, in my opinion. That is without a doubt true at this point, or let's say 11, because I have 11 players on this list. He is undoubtedly a top 11 player in the league, but... If his defense is on par with what Nikola Jokic can do in a team construct, and Nikola Jokic is able to score similarly to him while creating significantly more than him, I'm going to give the edge to Nikola. And also, Nikola Jokic is able to act much more as the motor of the offense and defense. Uh, That's not even true. I'm not even going to finish that statement. Lillard and Jokic are very much so on that same platform, I think. Same as Paul George, where you... Depending on how you frame your argument, you can really sway either side. But again, from my perspective, I think the defense is kind of a wash between the two of them at this point, and then I think Jokic is more impactful offensively. Um, The one thing I'll say is that Damian Lillard is the greatest leader in the NBA right now in terms of being a teammate, in terms of getting the best out of his guys, in terms of supporting people. Lillard has Jokic beaten that because he is just the elite leader in the NBA. So that is a part of this conversation that needs to be taken into account, I think. So Lillard and, again, Jokic are right there, but I think this tier is very, very close. And the last one, as I've talked about at length already, is Joel Embiid. You know, do you really want to take Embiid or Jokic? I think, again, you ask 10 people, you get five. Five and five. So the way that I look at this now 
is that you have three tiers. You have the Curry, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Giannis tier. You have the Kawhi LeBron tier. And I put Kawhi in that tier just because, again, we've only seen one year of him since that injury. I just have no idea how to quantify where he's at as a player right now. In all honesty, it probably makes more sense to put Kawhi into that top tier right behind Giannis and just have LeBron in his own tier. But still, you know, semantics at that point. Then, though, after that, the Jokic, Paul George, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis tier I think there's real arguments for all of them personally I get to watch Nikola Jokic at the minimum 41 times a year so I have Jokic over them because I just have an appreciation for Nikola because I'm sitting there watching him all of the time so that does kind of bend this conversation it's hard to be objective when I watch one player so much more than the rest of them which is why I usually don't try and force my conversation in on the MVP votes and things like that it's hard when you're covering a beat of a team to be up to date in the same way of everybody else but Jokic is firmly in the top 11, and I would say top 10 for sure, I do think he's better than at least one of Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid. So because of those things, I mean, Nikola Jokic is, in my opinion, the seventh best player in the NBA. That is where I have him right now. He has been that good. It's been absolutely mesmerizing to watch his season. Again, I keep using that word because it's almost like magic. You know, you're, you're just watching these things unfold and you just, you're, you're questioning how. How is this consistently happening over and over and over again? All right, I know I'm going kind of long. I'm going to speed through these top five games that were my favorite of the year. I'm going to start with five, which was the game six lost to the Spurs in the playoffs. That was the game where Nikola Jokic had 43 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists, two steals, and a block on 19 of 30 shooting, and only two turnovers. That dude just kept attacking on the road in San Antonio trying to lock up that series. I know the Nuggets lost. I don't care. This was a game where I saw... Nikola Jokic take this Nuggets team, put them on his back, and become unquestionably the best player on the floor that just full stop could not be slowed down, contained, or stopped in any capacity. Nikola Jokic thoroughly and entirely abused that Spurs team, and if it wasn't for the fact that the Spurs got hot from three and the rest of the Nuggets roster was unable to play basketball, it seemed like, there was no way that the Nuggets should have lost that game, but the only reason it's fifth on this list is because the Nuggets lost that game. But man, again, 43 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, only missed 11 of his 30 shots and only had 2 turnovers. Just relentlessly attacking over and over and over again. Um, my next, so the fourth game that I have, which honestly... Uh, my three, four, and five top five games that Nicola had, you can put in any order, I think. Um, but I had the 65-minute affair in game three where Nikola Jokic finished with, and listen to these numbers, 33 points, 18 rebounds, 14 assists, one steal, and two blocks on 13 of 25 shooting from the field and three of seven shooting from three. How in all things holy did Nikola Jokic manage to play 65 minutes in one game? One. One singular game. I don't understand how that is even possible. And then... After having 33, 18, 14, 1, and 2 in a 4-overtime game and making 13 of his shots while only missing 12 and hitting 3 of his 7 threes, he took the blame. Nicola, the dude who didn't sit down for the entire second half and all four overtime periods, he played 44 straight minutes just 
mind-blowing that he was able to do that. And again, you talk about can Nikola Jokic keep up what he is doing in the playoffs? Can he stay on the floor for long enough? Will he not foul out? Well, he played 65 minutes, didn't foul out, and didn't sit for 45 minutes. So that pretty much answers it for me. Same thing with the last game I talked about, the game six loss to the Spurs where he had 43 points on 30 shots. Everyone kept asking, is Nikola Jokic able to be a primary scoring option in the playoffs? Well, 43 points on 30 shots and a game six loss on the road against San Antonio? That to me says, yes, he can be your primary scorer. Uh, my third most incredible game that he played this year. And it wasn't fair because the playoffs carried so much more weight. So I had three playoff games and only two regular season. But the fact that Nikola Jokic in game seven against the Greg Popovich-led Spurs had a 21.15 rebound, 10 assist, triple-double to win the Nuggets' first playoff series in a decade, that was incredible. And this is the thing that really got me. While most people would take this as a negative, I cannot. Yes, Nikola Jokic shot just, what was it, uh, 9 of 26 from the field. I know that's all he shot. I know that's not good. You don't got to, like, all of a sudden give me all these information about 9 of 26 shooting is bad. I don't give a shit. He kept shooting in a Game 7 at home against what Tim Connolly considers the gold standard of NBA franchises and just kept shooting and kept shooting and kept shooting and carried the Nuggets to that Game 7 win. That, to me, spoke volumes about Nikola Jokic in terms of him as a leader, in terms of his ability to put the team on his back, and in terms of him understanding that he is the guy in Denver. You have to attack over and over and over again, even if your shot isn't falling. And he did that in that game, and because of that, the Nuggets won their first playoff series in a decade. My second most incredible game that he played was the win in Toronto over the Raptors on December 3rd, 2018. Jokic went into Toronto, only took 13 shots, made 8 of them, and had a 23-point, 11-rebound, 15-assist triple-double against what was arguably the best team in basketball, not named the Warriors at that point. Just walked in there with a banged-up roster, didn't have three of his starters on the floor with him, and just killed Toronto repeatedly. The last game, this should come as no surprise, was the basketball version of a perfect game for Nikola Jokic. He he played Phoenix at home and had 35 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, 4 steals, and a block without a turnover on a perfect 11 of 11 shooting. He made DeAndre Ayton look like he did not know how to play basketball. DeAndre Ayton, who was the number one pick in the draft, looked like a scrub. I have never seen somebody so thoroughly and unequivocally dominate a game without having it didn't look like he was sweating. Nicola killed him. Again, 35-11-11-4-1 with zero turnovers on perfect 11 of 11 shooting. That is just dumbfounding to me. What an absolute season from Nikola Jokic. I should have done top 10. I'm too tired to do that right now. I should have done top 10, though, because there were so many incredible games. I also left out the fact that he had a game winner against Miami and that just ridiculous game. He had a really, really, really big game against um, the Portland Trailblazers as well. It's like a 40-12-9 game, I think is what it was. He had just so many absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible individual games throughout this year. So yes, while he is massively important to winning in terms of what he does on a day-to-day -day basis, but the fact that he had not just a historical season, but historical performances in the midst of that as well, just continually keeps adding more and more accolades to the list for Nikola Jokic. <sighs> All right. 
Now for my favorite segment, which is answering some questions from the interwebs. Um, I got questions from Instagram and Twitter. By the way, if you follow me at TJ underscore McBride NBA on Instagram, I also put up all of this stuff as well for like asking for questions and things like that on my Instagram. I post articles on there, you know, put videos of behind the scenes kind of stuff. So go follow me on Instagram. That's TJ underscore McBride NBA on Instagram. Um, First question, which I thought was great from Clay Money Milla on Instagram, was we want updates on Nicola's horses. Well, Dreamcatcher won a horse about four days ago, and Michael Malone was very upset about it because he thought he was the good luck charm, and it has come out now that Nicola can win horse races without Michael Malone being in Sombor. Um, but Dreamcatcher and Bella Marguerite are doing very good. Apparently, Nicola is getting a third horse, and he now has a second ribbon to go with it. So, congratulations to Nicola Jokic's horses. Um, do you think Nikola Jokic will play for the national team? So, this information was broken by a Serbian news outlet. Uh, Nicola talked to them and said he was going to play. I reached out to a couple Nugget sources myself today, and this when I say today, I mean Friday morning, uh, May 24th, and I was told that it has not been officially confirmed, but that basically all of the signs right now are pointing towards Nikola Jokic playing for the Serbian national team in the FIBA World Championships in China. I would be absolutely blown away if he doesn't play for the national team, just because it seems like every single opportunity, if there is a sign, it's pointing to directly to Nikola Jokic playing for Serbia this year. All right, that was from Alexander, by the way. Thank you, Alexander, for asking that question on Instagram. Um, next, I love this question from Svet. So it was, what is his contribution to NBA basketball? Or did he bring anything new into NBA basketball as a player and a personality? He is an atypical player, even for European standards. It just seems like he is the actual definition of a basketball unicorn. So... This is my thing about when Nikola Jokic is brought to NBA basketball and basketball as a whole. You do not have to be a ball dominant, um, not even selfish, just like I need to be the guy kind of player to win basketball games. Nikola Jokic famously said that assists make two two people happy when him shooting only makes one person happy. That is who he is. He is the most selfless superstar that I have ever come across. He is the most anti-version of a star player I have ever come across across. I mean, this is a guy that when asked about his billboards in Denver said, oh, no, 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 please take them down. He doesn't even want billboards of himself. He said they should go let Thrill be the famous one in terms of Will Barton instead of him. There is just no one in terms of personality and mental approach to the game that has ever played that I have seen like Nikola Jokic. He is so unique in that way. And like I said earlier, he is the greatest passing center that the game has ever seen. So for me, he is. Him and Giannis are the only true unicorns in my eyes in that sense because they are playing the game in an entirely different way than anybody else has. All right, last question from Parian on Twitter. Do you think this will finally silence the Jokic can't play defense crowd? Yes, I think we're there. I don't know if all national media will be on that uh, bandwagon yet, but the sample size is big enough now to say that Nikola Jokic, while he definitely has his detriments on defense, is not a bad or terrible defender. He did not get played off the off the ground, uh, off the floor in any of the playoff series, and actually was arguably Denver's best defender in those playoff series, but against Portland and against San Antonio. So for me. Like I, I'm going to end up writing on it at some point when I can get time about how good Nikola Jokic was in the playoffs defensively. He was so fantastic in so many ways. All right. 
I know it was a long-winded podcast. Thank you for getting this far. If you did somehow get this far into the podcast, this has been the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast presented by Terrapin Care Station, powered by Mile High Sports, and sounds way better because of the Regulators Production Group. Go give all of those different people a shout, whether you're following Mile High Sports on all social media or just going to milehighsports.com and reading articles. Go to Terrapin Care Station for all of your cannabis goods. And then also check out Rod Simba and the Regulators Production Group on Instagram. That's the Regulators Regime for all of your audio production needs. To everyone who's sending questions and interacted, thank you. To everyone who subscribed to this podcast, thank you. To everyone who's given five-star ratings, thank you. Please continue to do that. The Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast is on all major listening platforms now, whether it's Player FM, CastBox, Google Play, Apple Podcast, um, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. It's on all of them now. So follow or subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a five-star review. Leave a comment about it. You know, you can reach out to me on my Twitter, which is at TJ McBride NBA. My DMs are always open, and my email is in my bio on Twitter. So anything you want to reach out and talk to me about, I am here. But until next time, I will talk to you guys in the near future. Have a good one.